0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expect Better in Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate Prosperity in Rochester, New York. Questions about real estate? Stay tuned for everything you never knew you needed to know. Have a better experience, get a better deal, expect better, and let us work for you hey everyone and thanks for listening to expect better in real estate i am your host justin brosnan and today we will be discussing negotiating an offer and why it is important to have the right agent by your side today i'm joined by sam morielli and trisha ray both licensed real estate salespersons at better homes and gardens real estate prosperity how are we doing today guys Wonderful, thanks for asking.
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for being here today. We really do appreciate it as this is a very, very important topic because our job is to get people into homes and part of that job is negotiating. So before we get right in, dive right into this, let's just talk about a little bit of your experience. I'll start here with Sam.
2: Well, I'm Sam Morielli, and I've been selling real estate full time for about 38 years. I've sold a lot of homes and have a lot of clients out there and it's been a great career and I want to keep on keeping on. (laughs) (laughs) And you, Trisha, how are we get here today?
1: (laughs) Hi. Yes, I'm Trisha Ray, and I have not been selling as long as Sam. I've only been selling about 15 years, so about half the length of Sam. And um, I just feel that real estate is my passion. I love doing it. It um, gives me a lot of satisfaction getting um, buyers into homes that they love. And um, I enjoy meeting a lot of people and making their dreams come true.
0: That's what we're in this for, guys. So let's get right into this and talk about the market we are currently in, which can be a very important end to when we get into the negotiation period.
2: So what kind of market are we in right now? I guess I'd have to say right now we're in a seller's market. Most of homes sell quickly with multiple offers and they do delayed negotiations, which makes it tricky as well, where you can look at a home but you can't put an offer in right away so what the seller is effectively doing is collecting offers. So it makes it a little stressful and kind of hard to negotiate.
0: Yeah. So we're definitely in a seller's market right now, where sellers they're getting right they're getting a lot more money potentially for the home than they may have a few years ago. Even. Um, what does that really do to affect the negotiation end of it with that market that we're in? What are you seeing out there? Are you seeing some trends or anything along those lines?
1: Well, I think it it forces the buyer to go forward forward with their best offer and knowing that you know they they have competition that they're up against so i think for a buyer you you put your best foot forward and um you know you have to just hope for the best and and do what you can
0: i think that's a really important part you made there point you made there <laughs> so what you really want to do is put your best foot forward right but if we lose out on a house after we've done our due diligence we put our best foot forward we may not get every house then if someone wants to go above and beyond that's, that's a, their prerogative. But our job as agents is to get them the best price, the best house, the least amount of hassle. That may not be the house. We may need to move on. And losing out on a house, guys, isn't always the worst thing because we're setting you up for success with this investment. And with that said, why is
2: negotiation an important skill to have as an agent? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, Justin, because I've been found myself in this situation many times in the last few years. I show somebody a house they like. They say, Sam, what should we do? What do you think? And I'm always torn, and I, I tell this to my clients too, do I tell them, step up to the plate, offer ten or 15000 over the over the asking price, pay too much for the house and win the bid? Or do I tell them to be a little bit more conservative and maybe not necessarily win the bid, but not pay too much for the house? It's kind of a tough call, and uh, it doesn't, it's not easy to be in that situation. It's not easy, and the big thing is, how long are you going to be in
0: the house? Is this going to be your forever home? You know, are you only looking at a five to seven year investment? We're going to want to move on. Those are all factors that come into play when we're negotiating a deal here, guys. And that's why it's important to tell your agent what your plan is. I mean, plans change. Good point. They definitely change, but we definitely want to make sure we set you up for the most amount of success we can with the information you're providing us. One of the things we're seeing out there is we're not seeing a lot of days on market on homes, right? Right. What is that doing? to the prices. We're we're definitely seeing them go up, but are we seeing any sort of areas where, you know, you're seeing the, there's a lot more homes for
2: sale in the area. You know, real estate is so regional. It's hard to just generalize, but generally speaking, any home that's in good condition and priced reasonably is a pretty hot commodity right now. Don't you agree? Yes,
1: I do. And I think Rochester, we've always had a pretty stable market. We never saw the bubbles that you know, the other parts of the country did, Rochester has always been very stable. But yes, we do have, you know, the swing where it's either a buyer's market or a seller's market, but it's, it's never, I think, as um, drastic as in the other parts of the country.
0: Perfect. What, we, what I've noticed out there as well, guys, is anything that's on the market for more than 72 hours is probably overpriced unless there is a delayed negotiation because the inventory is so low right now. Agreed. And it's a very difficult thing to decide what price you should do because you don't want to underprice it. You want to get them the most money, but maybe pricing it right where it should be might get you a lot more money, too. And that's part of the negotiation. And we don't just negotiate, guys, with you know other agents. We negotiate with our buyers our sellers and we're actually there to help them get through all this. And that's the big thing, which would lead us into another very important part of having a great agent by your side is the price, which everybody wants versus the terms, which may people may not take into account, but could be just as important. Um, if it's not based on price, everybody out there knows what price is. what are we looking for in terms? Um, are you looking for specific types of financing? Are we looking for certain things out there that you're seeing that are going to make an offer look more appealing?
1: Right. Well, I would say the type of uh, financing is important. Um, How um, soon can the buyers close if the sellers are in a hurry? Um, There's other terms that are important as far as, yeah, if if it's a cash, you know, that's always a, a good thing. So I tell sellers, you know, you have to look at the whole picture, not just whoever comes in with the highest offer.
2: I agree with that too. Uh, sometimes on my listings, I'm getting six or seven or eight offers, and it seems like I'm not. We're not always taking the highest one. We're taking like maybe the the second or third highest because they always seem to have the the bigger the deposit, the larger down payment, less inspections, a quick closing, or and or a flexibility and a possession date. So it's just not always the price, but there are other terms that can make your make the offer look appealing to a seller (laughs) for a new buyer out
0: there. What, what is this deposit you're speaking of? And what is that? Where does that hold any value within the
2: offer? I'll take that one. It's my one of my favorite subjects. Okay. Let's hear it. Well, the deposit is a good faith, um, amount of money that you put in us that's held in escrow technically for the seller. It's good faith. In other words, it shows that you're serious. You want that seller to take the home off the market and, uh, not sell it to anybody else and commit to your time frame and on the good faith that you'll close. Now a deposit, the amount of the deposit has absolutely nothing to do with the cost of the house. Now this could sound crazy, but you could have a $100,000 house and have a, a $200,000 deposit. It has nothing to do with the price of the home, but it shows a seller that you're serious. If you put a, a respectable amount of money down,
0: that's huge. It, it really just shows you have more skin in the game, you know, because what it does is if you try to walk away at that last second as a buyer, it kind of just keeps their footing and keeps them on the whole, on the hook there. And that's huge because we don't want them just walking away because they get cold feet at that last second. Right. P- part of our job is to be able to navigate through that. You brought up a really interesting point, and I think that is with the price. Sometimes we're not always taking the highest price. You know, we're there's no inspection on it. That's, that's a big thing that's happening right now on listings. You're seeing a lot more listings being sold without an inspection. I can caution you. I think we can all say that sometimes you got to be very careful. I deal with a lot of buyers, and sometimes I'm going to say, look, this house, you can't you can't even fathom the idea of not doing an inspection because there's a lot of things that could be wrong with it. But our job here is to make sure we inform you that an inspection is definitely a, a safeguard, but it's also a place where if someone else is willing to put it on hold, they're probably going to get it as long as the price and
2: terms are pretty, pretty comparable, right? That goes back to what I was saying about giving your client the right advice. Like you tell them, and this is just a rhetorical question, do you tell them waive the inspection so you can get the house at the risk of maybe not finding something really wrong with it that you didn't know before you put the offer in? So it's a tough call. What I find though, on inspections, you can do a home inspection, but then there's also other inspections you can request, pest inspection, chimney inspection, radon. There's a million of them. But I know when I'm looking at an offer on behalf of my seller, if if a buyer wants to do every single one of those inspections, I, I tend to want to pull back a little bit versus somebody that just wants to do a, a home inspection. Because then you, you get the perception that maybe they're being a little bit too uh, picky or too, uh, overprotective of themselves. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Do you got anything to add on that part of it? Well,
1: I don't, I don't see why a seller would object to having a home inspection. Um, I mean, yes, I think in an offer, if they go in, you know, with no home inspection, um, I could see where a a seller would see that as advantageous, but I would think that they would try to look at the buyer side of it. And, you know, I don't think they would want to buy a house without a home inspection put
0: absolutely and it's all about being upfront as a listing agent I mean if you know the roof is older and they're writing it down the property condition I've had agents come to me with offers where they said we're not gonna come after that roof we know that it's twenty, 20 years old, and old. And we know it yeah. is and our offer is based right. upon that and I think that's part of the negotiation too I'm a firm believer in calling the agent before I submit the offer if I can get a hold of them quick enough to be like hey how quickly do your people need to move what can we do to put ourselves in the best spot to get our buyer that home because that's important. If they need a 60 day close because they need to find somewhere to go, we want to accommodate that. And that just makes our offer look that much stronger. Um, we're doing our homework for our clients at that point. And I think that's really important part of it.
1: And if I could just add one other thing to that, when I tell my buyers when they are um, going to conduct a home inspection and then when we you know, sign off on the, re- the, um, the release for that, um, I tell them, don't go back to the seller with a laundry list of things that need to be done, but basically focus on safety items.
0: Major mechanics. Yes. Deal breakers.
1: Yes. Yes. Because um, now that that is, you know, out in the open, if you walk away from this deal, those sellers are going to have to um, uh, tell anyone else that, comes along yeah, they're
0: gonna have to disclose it
1: have, yes that's the word I was looking for disclose it so just look for safety issues and, and ask the sellers for that and not ask for every, you know every little thing
0: I'm talking about major mechanics usually with my and I educate my clients before we even get to that point as I know you guys do as well it's the major mechanics you can put a GFI in for twenty dollars. You know, there's a. You can put a new lock on the door. We're not going to have them paint walls unless they've offered some sort of credit. We're talking about the roof. We're talking about those windows. If we didn't expect to see things out of the norm, and they come up, a cracked heat exchanger in a furnace. Yes. The ma- live wires. The high yeah. ticket items. These are the major ticket items that we're talking about here because this is what helps us make our clients get a good home and be able to afford to not and not be house poor. And we don't want them to have to go in and three months later have to. Get a new furnace. Get a new roof. These are big ticket items that we need to be in there.
1: And that's usually what a good inspector does is say, you know, well, this, you know, has some life left to it, but you know, budget down the road for whatever it is. So it's, I think, it's just educational for the buyer, so they know down the road that they may have to make these repairs.
0: Absolutely. And let's just talk about negotiation. What we're really trying to do here, as agents, guys, is we're trying to negotiate a win-win for everybody here. We're trying to get a win for our buyer or seller. Right And vice versa, the listing agent's trying to get a good deal for their buyer or seller there in that situation as well. Um, but we all have to work together. You have to be able to talk to your clients about, hey, you may not be able to get that GFI or this, that, or the other. And how do you approach these subjects with your clients to tell them, hey, we, sh- we can't really go after that if you want to keep this deal alive. Like, what are you guys doing once we get to that point on an inspection, I guess, specifically?
2: I always try to be, uh, approach it from a point of view of being practical. Like, it's not, it's not necessarily practical to ask a seller to replace a GFI, if, I mean, because it can be done later, or um, even a double tap inside of a panel box is something that's not, uh, the house isn't going to burn down. Um, and there again, it depends on, there's so many variables. Is, is it a home that's a hot new listing that there was 10 other offers on, so then we really better watch our P's and Q's and... Not ask for too much. And thank God we got an inspection at that one. If there was ten other offers, well, we really can't go after them yeah. too much. There, right? Maybe I'm exaggerating a little. Bit, <laughs> no, We got to keep that in mind as well. Is it a great deal? Have we have we looked at uh, fifty other houses, and this is the house, and we don't want to lose it? So there's there's other things to consider. But like you say, just to me, if a roof is leaking, if there's pl- active plumbing leaks, if there's live wires that are life threatening if a furnace has uh, got a cracked heat exchanger and the CO count is off the roof. I mean, those are the things that are, I call them deal breakers, that if the seller doesn't fix them for you, the next buyer is probably going to want them as well. I think, exactly. that's the, I think that's the big
0: thing to remember on the sell-on too, because you may kill this deal and hope the next person doesn't ask for it, but you have to disclose it. And right. now we have to disclose that that roof has a leak, the heat exchanger sh- you know not working, and you have to disclose it anyway. So next offer you get, they're probably going to ask for it, just like you said, Sam. I couldn't agree more with that.
2: But I'm going to tell my buyer: don't ask for a handrail. That's you're going to take it down when you move the furniture down the stairs anyway. So it's things like that, you got to be um, you got to look at the big picture. If it's going to really stop you from getting the house or getting a good deal on the house, it's a cosmetic, and you can
0: you can always tweak things cosmetically for relatively good price. If you can do it for pretty cheap, and it's not a safety issue. I usually tend to, in this market, tell my clients, let's tread lightly. We're not mm-hmm. just going to go ask for those things. And mm-hmm. I think we can all be in agreement there. Yes. Another big thing I'm seeing out there in negotiation right now, especially on listings, I'm sure you've seen is agents losing their cool. Sam, I know you've seen it. I've been in the office a couple of times, heard people going and saying some things, and yeah. vice versa. We're all hear these things. Let's talk about how we cannot do that. I mean, what, do you, what should we be doing as agents to, to go there?
2: Well, you know, I laugh. I'm, I'm smiling a little bit because I know as a, a younger agent, you know, I had a tendency to lose my cool a little bit. Like if I would write an offer, I just want to get it through for my client. And that's okay. But you got to keep a level head. You can't get mad. You can't get frustrated. You know, if you start getting into an argument with the seller or with the other agent, you could really hurt your buyer, your client, because they might not get the house. So you got to kind of maintain an even keel. And another thing you should try to do is uh, always try to see the other side. What do you mean by that? Okay, here's an example. Let's say a house is uh, listed for 150000 and they bought it f- 15 years ago for one twenty-five, and maybe they've refinanced it six times and, and they owe one forty-two on it and they're, they're listing it. Okay, it doesn't make the house worth any more or any less money, but if that seller counters for more money on an offer, at least I, I like to make sure my buyer knows that so that they don't take it personally that the seller is just trying to squeeze more money out of them maybe because they need that much to sell it. It's all perspective
0: there. And it's all getting the true story. We don't know if they're going through a financial hardship and this is their last hurrah before they have to go to a short sale or a foreclosure situation, we don't know. And that's where doing our homework as agents is extremely important, building rapport with other agents so they want to pick up the phone when we call and actually do pick up the phone when we call because that can be another issue. I know as a younger agent, I've only been in the business five years full time. My first few deals, I'd want to call that agent after I submitted it 30,000 times. Be like, did you get it? Did we get it? Did we get it? But there is that almost backfires. And I would look at if I have another agent come in who's got ten years and isn't down my throat that knows there is a process, and we want to follow the process. I'm probably all all everything else equal. I'm probably going to tell advise my client, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. He's done
2: eighty thousand more deals, and everything else held equal. We probably should go that way. Would you agree with that? You instill more confidence, and the old saying, you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Yeah, absolutely. If you write a good offer get it to the other agent, don't shove it down his throat, give him some time on it. I mean, obviously, you don't want to give him a week so that other offers can come in, but by the same token, you don't want to write an offer and have it expire in two hours because they're just going to either get mad or laugh at you. Yeah. So you got to try to set it up to succeed, not to fail.
0: I think with that, too, is the big thing there is you call the other agent again. Hey, how long do you need to present this? Because I do I, that all the time. Y- you have to, right? Because if you don't do that... And you put a two-hour window on there, guess what? Your buyer's going to think they're going to know in two hours. Whereas if you called the agent and they said, oh, no, they're at a family function tonight and I can't make it over there till 8 in the morning tomorrow, please give me till 10 o'clock. That's where seeing the other side, too, I think is pretty prevalent is let's be reasonable human beings. We all have lives. And I think to that point is we have to take a step back sometimes. We're all excited, right? But we have to make sure we set up for success and saying, oh, like you said, Sam, two hours. Two hours. Nope. You're not going to find out in two hours. We're going to set up a time. They're going to talk to them and they may come back with something you don't like. They may have other offers and then ask us for our best and final, which is another big thing where I'm seeing right now. Um, You're writing the offer. They got a couple and they're coming back to you and asking for your best and final. How do you approach your buyer in that situation and be like, Oh, your offer wasn't good enough. And how do we guide them to get to that spot or put their best foot forward?
1: Well, actually, I was going to say something to the other point. Go ahead. Okay. Um,
2: I'll talk about that. Being, being,
1: uh, being, when you were saying about, you know, losing your cool, I think if you just stay professional, be respectful and realistic and, you know, but I think respectful and being professional are the, the two main things.
0: hundred mm-hmm. percent. You want other agents to want to do deals with you. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> because, you know, you're, you're. Your reputation means a lot in this business, and you know if people want to work with you, you know, or they'll see it. Your listing, oh, you know, oh, it's so and so's listing. Oh yeah, she's she's you know very good to work with. She's fair. That's what you want. You don't want people saying, oh, that's so and so's listing. You know, you just you just want to um, present a professional and respectful image, and and basically um, have your reputation reflect that.
0: Absolutely. Sam, do you want to pick up on the points we were going to make there before?
2: About highest and best, yeah, to me, I mean, I know when you're selling a foreclosure, usually with a bank foreclosure, they'll uh, if they get more than one offer, they'll make you go highest and best. Typically, and this is just my own opinion, once in a great while as a listing agent, if I'm sitting there and two or three offers come in and they're all theoretically identical or close to being identical, you might have to do a highest and best. But if an agent told me that uh, they had a another offer and to give us their highest and best i'm going to probably just read between the lines and feel like the, the other offer is probably very similar to mine and that's just my own thought but you just got to explain to your client that if they got more than one offer and that's they can do whatever they want and what i also tell my client is that you know if you're if, if there's more than one offer they don't need you anymore that, yeah. i mean that's the, their mentality is We have to be a little more humble and a little more laid back and uh, give them a good offer. But, you know, if they have multiple offers, they, they might not even need us. Exactly. Not that I like that. But we gotta just be realistic too. They might be using your
0: offer to fish up another offer too to get it up a little bit. Right. Now, what I hate seeing is when we ask them for a. If we had to go back and everything came in at the same time, we didn't expect, and all of a sudden three offers show up, and we want to give them a chance to bump it up. I'd hate to see someone on a hundred thousand dollar house offer me ninety five, and then all of a sudden we tell them to give us their best and final, and now it's one hundred and five, one hundred and ten. Why all of a sudden are you willing to go to this price? It makes me as a listing agent feel a little nervous almost. Right. Because. You only wanted to give me this. Now, what are you going to expect when you do that inspection or something like that? Are you going to ask for the new roof? Are you going to ask for all these things because you think you're entitled to it? Um, I get a little nerve-wracked about that, seeing someone jump up that big that quickly, especially on something... I don't know, it's been on the market just a a few days and they were only willing to give me this and now all of a sudden we have multiple offers? You're going to give me all this?
2: Or are you as the buyer going to wake up the next morning after your offer is accepted and say, what did I do?
0: Cold feet. And then you can walk away. And and there are going to be ways for you to get out of that deal and that's nerve-wracking too. I think the last thing I kind of want to talk on now, especially in the seller's market, how do you feel about escalation clauses and what is an escalation clause for people out there that don't know? Because I'm seeing them a lot more frequently and I'm not a fan.
2: But I want to hear your opinion on them, and maybe you can explain to us what they are too. I've never used one, and I don't particularly care for them. But it's when you write an offer, and then you will put a clause in there, an escalation clause, saying you'll actually go higher, maybe to a certain number, uh, and to beat out an- another offer by X amount of dollars. Like maybe you're offering a hundred, and you'll you'll say you'll go to one ten, uh, but up to one ten, but no more than a thousand over the next highest offer if they can verify it. So to me, it it's goes back to what you say, Justin, about sending out a mixed signal. If, if you really like the house that much, why aren't you offering more money? So I don't believe in them, I don't like them when they come in, when I'm a listing agent, and I don't let my buyers use them either.
1: I agree, I, I just don't think it's a good practice to do that. Yeah, and
0: for anyone out there wondering what it is negotiation, what really is going in, and these guys have been extremely huge experts on this. I encourage you to you know write me an emails, reach out to the podcast, ask us any other questions on negotiation. But some questions out there that you know people are definitely going to have is why should I use you to negotiate this offer? Do you either of you have like a specific tactic that you go about when you're actually negotiating an offer on behalf of a client?
1: Well, I, I try to really get to know my clients and, and know what they want. And um, and I really do work um, for their best interest. So I, I do gain their trust. And I feel that I whatever information I give them and, and suggestions, um, that they feel comfortable um, following my suggestions. So um, I just try to do the best for them. If this is something when I ask them, can you see your yourself living here? Is this really when you walk in the door? Because most people know as soon as they walk in, yes, this is this is where I want to live. And then I'm going to work my hardest to get that house for them is, you know, up to whatever their, you know, potential is, because I really want to do my best on my client's behalf
0: yeah and one of the things i'd like to do and for my clients specifically and i think everybody should know is we're going to send you comps we're going to look this is what we're doing behind the scenes i think is important too before we're actually negotiating we're going to do those numbers we're going to check to make sure you know it wasn't just someone decided i'm going to throw a hundred and fifty thousand dollar price tag on a house <laughs> because we felt the need to and we thought that was the only way they could get the listing or the client said let's list it at that but it's a hundred thousand dollar neighborhood our job there is to actually educate the listing agent too. When I'm negotiating, I'll send a comp. If I know that house is overpriced by $20,000, I'm going to send you comps. So you have some ammunition too, because my job is to get the, my buyer that house. And if you don't, didn't do your due diligence, I'm going to do it for you to make sure I get my client into the house. So at least you have something to go to that seller with and say, uh Oh, here it is. This, this guy actually put these all in here and I've been known to make them authentic signed. So they have to present it with my offer. Oh, really? Because I think that's a great way that you actually get that to the seller's agent, or excuse me, the seller themselves. Then they have to see it. Oh, my God, maybe I didn't do all my homework, or maybe this house isn't worth that. And this might be the best offer I get. Because I think you guys can agree, most of the time, the first offer, is usually your best offer, especially depending on how long it's been there. But I can't think of many times, and maybe you can correct me here, Sam. Your first offer tends to be the one you want to work with.
2: There's a lot of truth to that statement.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really important for you guys out there is like we're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes and that's our job as agents and I think that's the educational side you should really understand is a good agent's going to go do their due diligence. A good agent's going to make sure they know your plan so we can set them up for success. Nothing would make me more sad than my client overpaying by 10,000 at being a 5-year house and calling me in 5 years and I have to go. Huh. Market's kind of smoothed out now, bud. Uh, Yeah, now it's worth the exact same. And after the time you pay, you know, you're this, you're that, uh, you're actually going to owe about another $1,000. And we don't want to do that as agents, but we also have to listen to our clients. If you tell me to write that offer and I tell you, here, you want my opinion, here's where I think the price point should be, but you're willing to go to that point, I'm going to write the offer. At the end of the day, we're vessels for these guys, right? I always tell the client, you're the boss. You are the boss and we're gonna work for the boss because that's our job. But we are there to educate you and all the way through. And I think that's important is to make sure you do get that education before you just go and throw an offer out blindly. This is the biggest investment
2: 99% of people are gonna make in their life.
0: I always feel like
2: when I, um, part of my job as a real estate agent is to try to give my client, the, the, continue to give them the right advice and good advice. Whether he wants to hear, whether they want to hear it or not, I'm getting paid really to try to give good advice. I saw a really good meme yesterday on that. It was I just gave
0: ten thousand dollars worth of psychological advice and then realized I'm just a real estate agent. I thought that was (laughs) it. Pretty much summed up on the negotiation. You know, we take into account your feelings, how much you want to be there. We do a lot of things behind the scenes that are really setting you up for success. And I think that's a great place to end today. If you guys have any other points as far as negotiating things that you're seeing out there, anything in the market that you're really Want to jump down on here because I think we've covered a
2: lot of stuff on this. Show your buyer a lot of houses, and they'll get their education as they go along because they're comp- they're shopping and comparing when they look going from one house to the next. An educated client is what we're looking for too, because right. it helps you guys make
0: informed decisions, and that's why we're doing this podcast is to help and give may, help you make informed decisions. So with that said, I'd like to uh, once again thank Sam Morielli and uh, Trisha Ray for being here today. Really do appreciate you guys being here.
2: Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much for having us. Yep.
0: Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to Expect Better in Real Estate. I'm Justin Brosnan, and as always, I'm keeping the real in real estate. Thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening to Expect oh. Better in Real Estate with your host, Justin Brosnan. Do you have questions or want to just tell us how awesome we've done? Connect with us on our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at bhgre
1: prosperity.